They let BSB right. in here? They're just letting anyone on this show. God, I know, man. right? Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. We've got our cast of a lot of the people that you already know. We have Noah, we have Ryan, we have Ralph, we have Joff, we have Corey, and more importantly, we have the BSD Bandit <laughs> is on, and, and he's just figured out like how this works here. And by the way, this, this works. This is like the Dread Pirate Roberts of like podcasts. He just keeps showing up, right? <laughs> That's how you get promoted. He's on That's the true. show in the chat for like five weeks straight. And we're like, welcome. Well, you're in. Actually, now, this is a longstanding thing. Um, when I was on Security Weekly, I actually showed up for a show. And then Paul and Larry, they said, hey, you know, you come back anytime. And next <laughs> week I showed up. And they were all like, hi, John. What you got? I'm like, I got another tech segment. They're like, Okay. And I just kept showing up like an uninvented house guest and they never changed the call bridge. Oh, oh man. That's, that's basically what I did here too. Like first day they're like, hey, do you want to join the news? I'm like, absolutely. Next day the news came around, I was in. Yeah, that's it. Now you're in. It's the hotel California. Digital hugs to everyone. Yeah, if you're not following BSD Bandit on Twitter, you're missing out. I have anybody that's sad, depressed, a little bit low. They're like, oh, the world's getting me down. I just send him his Twitter feed. And, Yay. Uh, how, can yes. you, how can you be mad for anything? It's just, it's a great Twitter feed. So check it out. So, I'm checking it out right now. You should. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. All yep, right, everybody. Yep. We've got, we've got a whole slot of show, uh, like, like stories today. We've got Russia, 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 <laughs> NSO group. Mm. And uh, more Russia, actually. Um, so it's just you know crazy. But I want to start with something that's not Russia. Um, no, not Russia. How dare you? Not we're, Russia. We're out. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start with the U.S. Navy says that they've had cybersecurity wrong, and they've been doing it wrong. Now I know that a whole bunch of you never read the stories, and what I want to do is I want to go through each person that has not read the story, and I want you guys to tell me what you think. The United States Navy feels it got wrong. Step one, the Navy has a cybersecurity program? Interesting. There we go. Okay, so of course. <laughs> I one. thought it was the Air Force. My bad. Yeah, let's go. Oh. 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 All right, Noah. Uh, so Corey got his. What? We need a cybersecurity program. Joff, what do you think the Navy feels they got wrong in their cybersecurity program? Well, it turns out the computers don't operate very good when they're under the ocean. Ooh. Oh, good point. Ooh. Actually, Microsoft, Bad for signal. Microsoft is actually running servers in like these canisters. Oh, oh yeah, but they, they built enclosures. That's a They're not wireless. Why do you think the Navy feels they've gotten it wrong in computer security? Uh, I don't know, because they're on boats. I, I, they're I don't on know. boats. <laughs> Navy jokes. Just keep with the Navy jokes. ESP <laughs> Bandit, what's your take? If the Navy woke up today and they said, oh, my God, we've been doing security wrong, how do you think that they finally came to the realization? They came up, they woke up, they saw InfoSec Jesus, and they realized the error of their ways. What do you think they, they figured out? They looked on Twitter. 
They looked on Twitter. They started following GSP They looked on Twitter. So that one post Twitter. of someone's like, they anyone know Twitter what to do with this bullshit now that I have it? They went to Twitter and they're like, men and women, everything that we've been working all these years to defend is not worth it. We're packing it in. Mm -hmm. So very good. <laughs> Actually... What it is that the United States Navy feels that they've gotten wrong is compliance. They realize that they've been doing nothing but compliance chases. They've been doing meeting the minimum. They've been doing checklists. And they've been approaching computer security as a compliance exercise rather than an exercise. I don't know what the hell else it would be. I don't know what security wait. looks like without compliance because compliance is a jobs program. I, um, wait, are you saying ahead. that's the wrong approach to a security program? Because that's like what everyone else is doing too. So I mean, wait, I checked the box. <laughs> but how old are those boxes that you're checking? That's a great point from 1985, right? Mm. So, so, okay, so I, I've got a question. Yeah, so can, can we bring that up just for a second? Right? Go for it, Ralph. Yeah, yeah I mean, so like, I actually have a lot of experience in the space of like going through these compliance things. And it's kind of interesting because like a lot of people who are doing this job are you're you're right. They're like not necessarily in security. They just take a checklist, they go A, B, C, mm -hmm. D, you know, mm -hmm. we just check it off. What's funny is the DISA actual documentation for like locking down a Linux host, it is or Windows host, it is they got everything covered. Trust me, it is covered, right? But you also break the entire computer if you turn everything on. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's like you got to make decisions about what to do. The thing is, though, if you're just checking boxes, you don't understand necessarily how that is going to affect the system. And so there's a lot of openings that happen and people go, well, we just need that open. Right. We don't know why we need it open, but it broke something. And don't ever touch that again. It is something that we need open. Right. Um, but no one knows why. So I agree with you. But here's my problem with this with this article. It's not the article itself. It's not even what the Navy is talking about doing. What the hell does information security look like if we don't have compliance? I mean, all of us that are on this right now are pretty much red teamers or we got, you know, Noah's a blue teamer. Mm -hmm. and so we wouldn't have jobs, folks, if it wasn't for compliance. As much as we hate compliance, it is literally that factor that is driving organizations to get security audits, to do security testing. What the hell does security look like if they choose not to do a compliance-based initiative? Seriously. That's true. This, That's true. This kind of blew my mind when you think about it. If we no longer have pen tests, we no longer have checklists, we no longer have, let's say, MITRE or any of it, what the hell does security actually look like? I, I, I think I think I the think, problem is it's not necessarily that we have a checklist. I think the checklist is fine. There's nothing wrong with the checklist, right? I think it's whether they understand the checklist or not, right? Mm. I, I think that that middle piece, and I think that may be what they were saying in this article. Is that I didn't read it, but maybe, but I do have just a lot of experience in seeing these checklists be performed on military systems, right? Mm. In operation, and a lot of times they just don't know, right? They don't know if this is supposed to be on or, or off or whatever, mm -hmm. but somebody made an awesome checklist and they're just going down it, right? I, I think it maybe is lack of understanding and the compliance, not that, that we don't need compliance. We need to check these things, but I think that they need to hone in on, you know, uh, not just being a, a person who, who just checks the box, but knowing what those every box does, right? And so. my, my big issue with that is a lot of people, like we were talking about in security, if you talk about what's actually important for security, they have no clue. Yep. I mean, there's people whose entire career is nothing but checklists, right? It's nothing but compliance documentation. They have no idea what attacks look like. And I'm going to go back to the CISA acts that I've been grinding. I'm getting more and more angry about this. 
is a lot of the guidance that Sys is starting to release now is guidance like install these patches. These are the critical patches that the attackers are exploiting. And that's, that's, that's okay, I'm just going to be, it's dumb. Don't do that. Because it's not that it's one of 176 patches that's missing. It's going to be the missing patch on your organization that's going to compromise you. But we keep falling into these checklists. We keep falling into these compliance meeting the minimum things. But mm -hmm. it's like I said, you know, the question still stands. If we don't have compliance frameworks, what does security look like? Aren't we making an assumption here, though? I mean, with the Navy in particular, it, it, yeah. the article says, if I had read it, <laughs> expect, <laughs> expect change, right? But what is that going to be? Well, and I don't think, and I did just check the article, it doesn't say what that's going to be, right? So that's still an open question. So we cannot make the assumption that the change is to eliminate compliance. Maybe the change is going to be to modify the way they, they, they do compliance and blend it with a more proactive approach as, as we would recommend in the, in the industry. So right. one of the things it says in the article that I thought was interesting is it says that we should apply traditional assessments of equipment, logistics, and training to the cyber domain. So like when they pick a new gun, how uh, do they do that? Right? Is do right. they like? I assume they don't just be like checkbox shoots bullets done. Um, <laughs> I, like, I assume not. there's Isn't more testing. Cheap. So I wonder how that would be implemented on like a cyber scale. Is it like, all right, well, here's our new systems. Go hack it. If you can hack it, then it's not good. Or, or they have to choose. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll be. It's just like an interesting thing to think about. Like. All right, we're going to implement this new system. Okay, well, we got to test it. Throw it, bury it in the sand for two years, or I don't know, like. But yeah. I, I do think so like, Maho has a point. Maho has a point. Maho mm -hmm. said security can exist without compliance, but what security can't exist without, sadly, is incentive. And I think that one of the things that compliance starts to like, if you get rid of compliance, you start to look a lot like an accountability framework, where it's basically like if you have security vulnerabilities in your environment there is going to be some level of accountability. GDPR tries to do this uh, by taking a percentage of sales. Maybe the military can create an accountability framework where if these systems are not secure from an assessment perspective, they're not ready for a test and there's massive vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. then maybe some of these officers in charge should be in trouble associated with it. For sure. So I, yeah, that's, for sure. Like I said, it, it gives us a foundation. Yeah, this is a mental game, right? And I don't mm -hmm. think that there's a clean answer for it. I mean, we've seen oh, a lot I, of push from, is. We've seen a lot of push from cyber insurance. Like no. cyber insurance is a big, it's an incentive because if you don't have due diligence, you will not be able to submit your claim. You know, it's not necessarily related to compliance, but if they say you didn't even test your security, we can't, we can't take this claim. Like that's been a big incentive, not necessarily a stick, but more of a carrot. I guess so it's kind we, of a stick because they can deny you, but. Yeah. We need a we need a compliance a compliance standard, right? So all you got to do, tongue in cheek, right, is put the letters DOD in front of PCI DSS and problem solved. Oh my god! <laughs> but I do think that the like like check like checklist provides some type of foundation, and I think a lot of times when it comes to like the government, we automatically assume that there is nothing. It's just like I said from like 1985 or whatnot. But mm -hmm. we don't know. I think we should look at it from a perspective like, hey. hey how who's updating checklists because i know the checklists give you some type of foundation but it's like i think you should just build on that foundation don't get rid of the checklist because again like we talked about earlier without any checklist there's no order without any order there's chaos and with chaos we have no jobs yeah 
Actually, chaos brings great jobs for oh, us. Oh yeah, like, tons well, of for for, for <laughs> us. But I mean, for just us, in general, for for, right. for for <laughs> offensive, yes. But everyone else is pretty much a yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting too with the military in general and the DoD is that they're kind mm-hmm. of realizing that this space is just more than just securing too. It's like an actual threat space, right? Um, so it's kind of moving into this morphing thing, like uh, uh, Corey kind of brought up about how do you, you know, pick a weapon, right? And securing and using it as an offensive thing is also now becoming more of, a, uh, of an issue. And I, I think that in general, the DOD is kind of slow to like catch up to these kind of things. They're not going to have a choice, right? This is part of the defense posture, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Not only securing the infrastructure of these systems because we become more dependent on these systems, they're in our tanks, they're in everything, right? Um, and how they operate on the actual battlefield, right? These communication platforms become the difference between you know winning and losing, not just the tank you're driving. So um, yeah, we're going to have to adapt and change if we want to excel in this space, right? So yeah, yeah. and it is. Yeah. It's also funny they say we have 15 years of track record that proves our current approach is bad. It's like, which is weird. You don't hear that very right. often. It's, it's like, right. okay, well, from our perspective, like, it's not like the Navy got breached. I mean, is there, is the other um, shoe going to drop? Is there some, like, <laughs> is there, is this like preemptive on some, like, oh, sorry, all of our aircraft carriers are DOSed right now? Like, I don't know. Like, They're rebooting. Corey, there's a lot of assessments whenever they hire firms um, to actually go in. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of frustration in multiple branches of the military where they're very, very easily breached. And then you basically have a meeting and I'm not making this up where a bunch of high ranking military and government officials just sit around and they're like, are we breached now? Have we been breached in the past? Like this was really easy. Mm-hmm. How bad <laughs> is this? And no one can answer the questions. Yeah. So that is a huge part of it. Well, I, you know, I think it's because their focus is on fighting whatever the mission is, right? And whatever, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, their mission. And weirdly enough, I know this is hard to like grasp because we don't think of it this way, but their mission is not necessarily to secure these systems, okay? Their mission right. is to fight whatever, uh, you know, front that they're, you know, designing to. On the Navy, right. they're, 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 they care about the ships, that they're mm-hmm. ready and postured to go to a battle if they need to or defend whatever it may be, right? But, you know, how those systems, those computers work, those are just kind of like, you know, a thing that kind of works, right? You know, it needs to work on this boat for it to go forward, right? That's great great but no one's necessarily historically thought hey what if somebody just turned it off and now it doesn't work because of some misconfiguration that was a security issue right, right? most people right. are like it's a mechanical you know knob and you know you either have to be on the boat to change it and we can stop people from getting on the boat the dod is really good at physical security just saying right yeah i mean it's like how are they going to apply that kind of they're good at training Yes. I mean, it's not, you know, our our Navy probably is pretty decent at training people how to shoot and how to aim and how to navigate mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's just how do you do that with cybersecurity? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a new oh. battlefield that I don't think that we traditionally have, uh, you know, necessarily prepped for, right? Done the same kind of, you know, oh, our and, mission. And I can speak to this a little bit, having done mm-hmm. training for armed forces. And if you generally look at a lot of the different like things that people do in the military, they definitely train you to do a specific thing. Mm -hmm. And usually that specific thing, they train you to do that one thing. And it's, it's complicated. I'm not saying it's not complicated, but it's not as complicated as computer security. Like if you want to train a group of people on how to use artillery, that is a relatively easy thing to train Mm -hmm. someone on. It's not there's not a whole lot. Now, I know there's people in the military. It's like it's way hard, but they can send you to a month or two of training and you can be efficient 
at using mm-hmm. that artillery. Yeah. And the military has been trying to use that same lib- like that same mindset for cyber. Yeah. And the Air Force has gotten a mm-hmm. little bit better, especially down at Holbert Field and the training that they're doing down there. And yeah. the Army with 255 Sierra and the 25 Delta programs, they have realized that this is a little bit more complicated in the Signal Corps in the Army. And what they have been doing is putting people through months of training. Yeah. And, so, that, and what's weird is the military structure still exists over that, right. where you have people that spend like six months training, then they get done with that. And the military is like, well, now we're cross-training you and we're going to train you on artillery. And they're like, but I just sent, spent six months learning cyber. And they're like, nope, you got to learn artillery now. It's bizarre <laughs> because there is a culture of weapons, n- weapon systems need to be basic enough mm-hmm. that you can train someone in about a month, month and a half for many of them to function in an actual live fire situation. And cyber just doesn't work that way. It, it's interesting too, because like more of the select units, they send through uh, military pipelines, right? Where they mm-hmm. actually devote that six months or a year of just dedicated, and then they rotate out, right? So you're in this pipeline for a year, and then you rotate into you know whatever your oh, actual no. mission is, right? So it's it's practice, 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 execute, come back, practice, 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 execute, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like this this continual cycle. But to your point, John, you're right. Um, it's very difficult to you know in two months just be like, yeah, you're you're great at computer security now, right? Yeah, I don't know. Metasploit's pretty easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but how well, let's, fix that now. let's move on. I want to talk about sure. a different story. We've been on this one. Hackers have found a clever way to steal your Microsoft 365 credentials. No um, way. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Specifically, specifically, what this uh, what the technique is that they're using um, is something called Azure Static Web Apps. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, it's basically a way that you can actually do web hosting in Azure. And you have like a full integrated API. You have SSL certificates that are free mm. with the service. And that has a lot to do with it in the fact that when you're looking at SSL certificate validation, it says that it's actually coming from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It makes it basically what they're using is they're using cloud services uh-huh. to bypass a lot of the security controls that exist today. Yes, yeah, Steve's been doing this for years. Um, I know, yes, yeah. right? I mean, it's just like, well, it's, uh, it, I mean it, it, simply put, it's just an Azure web app function. They're pretty easy to deploy. Uh, you can run a bunch of different languages on there, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, PHP, Node. Uh, this is a want, bummer right? because we were using this. Yeah, and it was now self- they're going to come after us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, um, now we have to find some other valid SSL categorized site to host this stuff on. Come on. I, I, don't, think, I don't think we're going to have to do that, right? Because if you look at, if you look at like tools that we have, like we have internally like IP ricochet, or if you look at some of the stuff we're using API gateways or Lambda functions or all these different tools, a lot of those tools still work, right? You know, where you're using cloud services against other cloud services. And, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is do you think that there's going to be categories of attacks that just can't easily be shut down just because that's the way that this particular service works? Mm. I mean, I think there's a possibility. Uh, I think it's a, a big possibility that well, that so can happen. what what Microsoft has done is they've actually started hunting this stuff down. Yeah, um, we've seen side. that. We've seen yes on their side. We've seen this happen significantly with the Amazon C or the Am- Amazon the Microsoft CDNs. If you mm-hmm. are fronting, they have which would mean you have created an Azure CDN for Amazon dot and you are fronting to baddomain.net. They have automated detections that will find it, kill your entire subscription, 
and just automatically yeah, ban hammer you. So yeah. they BSD bandit. What were you going to say too? No, no, pretty much. Well, he just pretty much just summed it up. Yeah, you're okay. pretty much like dead in the water. <laughs> once, once, once Microsoft does that, it's kind of like whack a mole, but they're finding you <laughs> a lot faster. <laughs> Honestly. Well, but we also know a couple of things, right? Whenever these new attack vectors come out, usually Microsoft is a little bit, I think they're way faster than Amazon and mm-hmm. Google Cloud Compute, which I'm going to get to here in a second. Oh, um, they're better, but they're not instantaneous. I mean, I mean, the CDN thing, I think that they've gotten that pretty well scripted out and how they can detect well, it. Well, we still it work around it, right? Yeah. Because what we, what all we have to, it's a, it's a bot, right? It's so all, we have to, all you have to do is you have to make them look similar enough so you can't say like I'm Google, but what you can say is I'm just some random small company that runs a CDN. Like yeah. I'm securehealth.azraj.net, and the real domain is securehealth.net. Like they don't they don't validate. The, gonna, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, just like that, there you know, amp, I guarantee you they'll hunt down Azure static apps that are using like Modlishka and Evil Genix and like you know in the background. Or, yeah, like <laughs> or basic like they'll have signatures for like obvious credential harvesting, but. It's one of those things where it's whack-a-mole, like Charles said. Like you can't, you can't just go out and be like, "No Azure static apps that have authentication." Like <laughs> that, that's the whole point. Like, yeah. It's not going to happen. All right. So the next story I wanted to talk about. This is another group that just refuses to go away. Is the NSO group? It's a Reuters story exclusive. Senior EU officials were targeted with Israeli spyware uh, by Raphael Satter and Christopher Bing. So this NSO group, I wanted to get, you know, we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes where the United States government basically blacklisted NSO group from selling anything in the United States. And now you're seeing this malware actually being used to target, to target officials in Europe and the United States. So I want to ask, do you think that this is actually bad for NSO group or is this just more great advertising for and I'm, I'm going to come back to this, but I want to get your thoughts on this first. Like, what, what do you all think? I'm going to start with BSD Bandit because, you know, I, <laughs> he's, he's, we're, we're, we're a whole bunch of people that talk over each other all the time. And he's the yeah, new I'm, one. He's like, oh, no. What <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I'm all over the place. Yeah. yeah. But right. um, I, think it's a, I think it's a combination of both. More so from a, from a standpoint of just beautiful advertisement. I mean, we can look at it from, from that perspective because what, usually when we talk about r- ransomware, it's more so from an advertisement perspective anyway. Because a lot of times we'll see something like, oh, it's ransomware, but without reading the article or looking at what the ransomware actually does, then we just kind of, you know, it's like the aha moment that we keep moving. So yeah. I think it's a combination of both, actually. All right. What do you all think? NSO group, like, is this just... Raising their stock price. Or I don't do business with NSO burden. Group. I do business <laughs> with I do business with Shell Corp number three thousand seventy two. That is yeah, the same thing. I don't do right? business directly with them. No. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. and, and they're actually like sanctioned and banned and on the FCC bad list and, and, and yet banned from government. They can't money. go in government building. No, I mean they're <laughs> so. But they they use you know they use Shell Corps. They use other things. Mm-hmm. So it's like I guess from my perspective, it's the you know what is it the many heads or whatever you cut one off and another one comes back like i don't i feel like the name nso group doesn't matter so much because if you go hunting for this if you go hunting for this product mm-hmm. you will find it people will buy it doesn't matter if it says nso group as long as there's a demand for iphone remote roots or whatever 
yeah. there's going to be a this product is going to yeah. exist in that company until like Israel takes on this company as uh, hostile. We can't. In, there's nothing we can do in the U.S. about it, really. Yeah. So, and well, and then, I, we talked about it in the past. We were, we were all joking about shell companies. But for people that are coming into this a little bit cold, we we all guessed and. We all know that this is happening, where the United States is like, no one's allowed to purchase anything from the NSO group. But they're Except like totally addicted. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, um, you got any of those NSO exploits? Uh-huh. Got any um, remote roots? <laughs> and you know that there's somebody that's out there that's creating a shell company called not mm-hmm. totally not NSO. And they're Good basically name. buying the stuff from NSO. It's and then not on the sanction list. Yeah, like that company isn't on the sanction list. I don't, you well, know, I mean, it's the same they thing. They could Russia. call themselves NSO for, an, and then that could extract out, extrapolate out to non-sanctioned organization. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think the thing is, is like, I, it's interesting that they haven't rebranded yet. I mean, I've been claiming that I think they'll rebrand, um, just due to like the whole heat they got from Citizen Lab. Like Citizen Lab was going after these guys for a long time. Heavy. And at this point, it's I think that they're marketing. not like Charles. Yeah, said. I think they're yeah. not rebranding at this point because it's flipped from being like bad press to the to like they're like we don't care now, and so oh, now oh, they press. keep it because Ooh. they have now Ooh. they just have press. Now it's it's mm-hmm. that that's marketing. exactly it. This is yeah. all press is good press in the, in right. this case because all happening. because all of us reading it being like that's terrible. There's a bunch of oil sheiks that are like that's amazing. How do I? That's their email. <laughs> How do I How get do in I, on this action? <laughs> I need to spy on my wife. How much? It's only a million dollars. That's fine. So I'm looking for a reporter who's in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen him. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to the government in Israel has to do something, or else they're going to keep doing business as long as they. I mean. You know, it's like it's like the ransomware region of Eastern Europe, like we were talking oh, about. Yes, it's not yes. real ransomware if it's not from Eastern Europe. Yeah, but, that's uh, true. But yeah, it's like the same thing. We're like until these, you know, extradition, that transparency, because but it's one of those things, like John said, they're addicted. They like no mm-hmm. government really wants to. I mean, there's a whole shaky thing with Israel anyway, but no one wants to go after like Israel's using this probably. So they don't want to go yeah. after the company, bite the hand that feeds the zero days. So. I don't know. Well, and one of the things that scares the hell out of me is 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 NSO. Like for me, NSO is definitely a, a monster that sleeps under my bed. And I'm not even trying to be facetious or joking because this is a company that has a track record of working with some of the worst people in the world. No, they, they vet never... everyone. Don't worry. Yeah, no. If you they ask them, everyone. they don't. They work with. Yeah, it's no, no, no. They totally don't. Totally don't. Right? <laughs> KYC. KYC, absolutely. Everyone. Like with a lot of standard corporations, like we talk trash on Cisco or whoever, right? <laughs> with this company, this is a company that actually makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Like whenever we're talking about them on the show, and I think we have to, but this is not a company that's going to be worried at all about, you know, well, let's say BHIS pisses them off. They, they're they're going to find ways to squash us. There's, they, I mean, they're, they're a terrifying group of individuals. I mean, the real they question is, how has Apple not just bought them out? Apple has more money than God. Why are they not like, we're super interested in acquiring your company. And they're just like, just, oh, actually, no. our goal is to shut the company down. Uh, yeah. Now, if we yeah, read an article, Apple security. <laughs> if we read yeah. an article that Apple buys NSO, that's it for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. But you well, know that it, Apple's probably like, there's probably like a sales presentation. A guy's going through, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Here's the, you know, like here we have all these different companies that are some of our customers." And somebody from the Apple team is like, "Excuse me, is that Google up there?" 
the epidemic. <laughs> Son of a bitch. No, um, they're totally not. Not one of our customers. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say that maybe the reason Apple doesn't buy them out is because they're using the product. But oh. yeah, mm. Dude, they have their own backdoors. Yeah. Why would they be? I guess maybe they hire them for vuln research. That's it, it, it oh, all sure comes back. They, you know, they need some Android exploits. Maybe it, it, um, it all yeah. comes back to old press is good press, right? If it drives the price up of potential future acquisition, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, well, I mean, Apple did totally has, come out and say we don't like NSO Group. Basically, like they did yeah. publicly say yes, that. But, but they the also. Every time, every time that Apple, that, that NSO, like a new exploit is found, Apple patches it really quick. It actually is great press for Apple mm-hmm. as long as the NSO group exists. Yeah. What if what uh, if Apple's uh, adding the exploits and then making double pay? I don't know. Oh, my weird. gosh. No. Whoa. No. No. Whoa. No. no. Okay. Now deep we're state. Now I'm sorry. We're a deep state. Land. Let's talk about let's talk about snap on. Oh yeah, they're, they're honestly this is a Home Depot story, really. You know, I like, can't afford to read this story. We we sell tools, man. <laughs> we don't we don't care about computers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Snap On got ransomware. Oh man, Conti too. Yeah, they were too busy selling tools. Saying you got ransomware by Conti has got to be... That's like saying you got back with your ex. Like, you got divorced. <laughs> you got Ooh. divorced, and then you're like, yeah, we just got married again. Yeah. Uh, you know this is going to end bad. Personal data. Uh, yeah. one want to say congratulations to my friend and his soon-to-be ex-wife. Ex- <laughs> ex-wife. So if you happen to be a Snap-on customer, which I actually heard they're kind of expensive and kind of like almost like an MLM, but it doesn't matter. Did they um, leak any discount codes? <laughs> discount codes. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. But I was going to say, expect a notification with, guess what? Identity protection, because that's the, how we're going to save the world. conspiracy theory. Yeah. The only people that continue to win all the time <laughs> are the identity protection people yeah. and yeah, they, they actually <laughs> pay for these ransomware groups to still say the mean like yeah, dude, they've it. sold yeah. how many licenses has anyone ever yeah. activated their 12 lifetimes of free <laughs> it's like be free for everybody everywhere till the end of time and only 12 yeah, people well, actually use it it's like the guy from lifelock he put his social security number on a truck and his identity got stolen like 12 <laughs> times like yeah. it was like a terrible idea like you should have like that. a team of people that were doing nothing but cleaning up the mess that was created from that marketing. <laughs> it's kind of like a constant, constant flow of AOL CDs from back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Just keeps house. coming, right? Yeah. Oh so my God. God. the fun <laughs> part, right? I was just looking. I was just looking in my uh, in my uh, malware specimen jar, uh-huh. and um, in, in the case of Conti, um, about half a dozen of those DLLs are Cobalt Strike beacons. Oh, so sure. how how can you miss that? <laughs> Today, I mean, right? Easy. You don't have EDR, which I mean, it sounds like they might not know what that is. I don't know. I'm guessing. Yeah. Totally guessing. Well, snap on, snap off, baby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen. I think that the um, identity protection companies. I think that they're like paying the ransomware district of Eastern Europe, like a, you know, <laughs> like a fee. Like it's a monthly fee to be part of it, right? I mean, they got to be in it. Like our fifth conspiracy theory that we've made up on this show. Today. I know. How I know. is Conti even still it. operating? That's the other. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Like, what are they? Are they? Are they just? Are they just using like PlayStation Network? Are they? Is this all happening in a FIFA game? <laughs> like, what is going on? And another okay. one. And another it's like one. Snap-on's press release. Unfortunately, we were exploited by Conti. On the plus side, it's pretty much been abandoned by the attackers, and it's just totally <laughs> a mistake at this point. It's actually being ran by 16-year-olds now, just a couple. 
<laughs> right. We Probably call that security through that. obsolescence. Conficker, remember, Conficker <laughs> was kind of similar in that regard, right? Conficker was spreading all over the place, but people were like, what the hell does it do? And they're like, eh, we don't know. We, <laughs> and there were all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories, like the software was broken. Um, there were some people that were like, the people that were writing certain variants of it must have gotten killed. Or, I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, uh, they're probably selling the uh, Conti like access. Mm -hmm. They bought Snap on buys back their access to their own stuff because the code's so out of date, nobody wants to run it uh, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but it does, hey, look hey. Like, it does look like Snap on did pay the ransom uh, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. Conti ransomware game like release said that they had gained access to a bunch of stuff, posted a bunch of stuff, and then it was removed. Uh, very quick, very quickly. What well, it mm. turns out, the C two channels make a very effective. Uh, C two channels do make yeah. a very effective systems administration tool. I mean, come on, they actually <laughs> do. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Snapon's actually going to acquire Conti and use it for remote admin because they yeah. couldn't control <laughs> their stuff before. <laughs> this is our Conti rebranded. It's a service. It's a service they admin offer. network. <laughs> no, they yeah. go Conti as a service. Conti right as yeah. a service. Done it. Actually, Perfect. You joke about that. Uh, what was the name of the rat? Like there was Back Orifice 2000, but there was a bunch of other ones that were in that same vein. And a couple of them actually became quote unquote legitimate remote administration. Yeah. yeah um, that's right. Team viewer? There's a couple other ones. Yeah. There, actually, a bunch of ransomware operators are using those commercial products as like a way to get their initial access. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's what, that's, yeah. 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 But yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure well. if you dig into the source code of TeamViewer enough, you're going to find something, a few reused lines from Back Orifice. What about Sub 7? Sub 7 Love. <laughs> now, you joke so, about uh, all that, but VMware, when, yeah. if you go back in time far enough, VMware was based upon rootkit technologies. I'm oh, sure. And some of the early, early VMware stuff that was out there, if you got to looking at the code, it was actually using open source. Um, it was using open source rootkit libraries uh, mm. to, to allow it to work, oh, which I thought was world. one of the most awesome things ever back in the day. That I'm aware cool. of at least one extremely common uh, sysadmin tool that is just deployed all over the place that uses remote access tools that is commonly used for hacking. That's it's, it's open source, but it literally runs it today. I could go find you the logs right so, now. So, okay. But Noah, I think that you just brought up a great thing. We spend all this time at BHIS. We're working with like Nighthawk and cobalt strike and all these different tools. Is it time for us as a pen testing company, just to bite the bullet and just buy like Ninja RMM? <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm serious. Like we literally just go out and we purchase a full license for our pen tests and you know, you can deploy it. So it installs silently. Um, mm -hmm. It's digitally signed. It gives you full access to everything on the system. Like, and no, your, your, your EDR won't fire when you install it. Uh, EDR won't care. Is it John? And then we just get on the phone and we say, hello, I'm Frank from Connecticut. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's called social engineering. Uh, we do that. But like, why call them when you can either a look at their activity status and say, oh, they're offline now. How do I know? Well, the asset management software says they are. Or just push a silent install of your application that you want from there or jump into the remote shell that it's built right into the software. Because number one, we like Corey, you talk about this all the time. Getting initial access is still pretty easy. Whenever we start moving laterally is where we get just beat to snot, right? Mm -hmm. 
when we're talking about RMM software, I seriously think that most of those libraries are completely allow listed. Well, and they, I mean, that's, that's where the project I've been working on some, John, is like a lot of the stuff in my list is asset management uh, tools and RMM tools. Mm-hmm. As far as <laughs> there are literally the binaries, you can just go into the program files and run those binaries. They absolutely have been either ignored by the EDR by default or added into the allow list later I mean, on by the admins because yeah. they got tired of seeing them. And, and uh, we've talked about, I mean, this is what we're moving. This is what red teaming is moving is just, I mean, you know, talk about living off the land. It's more like emulating the land, um, yeah. you know, figure mm-hmm. out what RMM tools they're using that are likely to be whitelisted in whatever XDR, EDR, whatever DR they have. DR and, of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and then just emulate that, right? This is my DLL now. This is my process name. Yeah. This is my tech. I'm going to use WinRM because this we, uses we WinRM. You just get BombGuard so. licenses. Everyone's got BombGuard. <laughs> honestly no. right hey could you please install this we have to check for an update on your system with bomb guard. I, I, think, bomb guard. I think we need to try this job i mean yeah dude i've literally asked before and red team scoping calls like can we purchase access to your company on the dark web like <laughs> 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 can we just if you could just go online and send a guy like 0.002 bitcoin and get a valid account can i do that is that I mean, is, is, that under, is that under time and materials <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> i can already see the finding right now of employee susceptible to bribery no, 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 I'm no, talking no, no, about no, no. dark web. You bu- oh, oh, oh. Buy the well, maybe he sold it on the dark web. You never know, right? <laughs> yeah, who, knows? I mean, who, knows? <laughs> who knows? It doesn't matter to me, but I saved a week of testing. <laughs> All right. This, this leads us into the bearded Barbie hacker catfish story. Wow. And, and this, this, this feeds does, in really well. This feeds in really well because whenever we're talking about when we're talking about like, you know, how like talk buying access on the dark web, we talk about utilizing RMM tools. Mm-hmm. We talk about Bearded Barbie, where they set up like Facebook and Instagram pages to emulate um, attractive, healthy young women. Mm-hmm. This, th- so this is one of those things that kind of eats me about the state of red teaming is if you look at what a lot of the attackers are doing, they're doing these things and we're not, right? Like they're going onto the dark web and buying access. They're going through and they're standing up these, these phishing campaigns. There is no way in hell I would ever authorize any of you to create a Facebook or an Instagram page emulating an, an, a, a very healthy young woman or male, interacting with a target for like a couple of weeks, and then convincing them to download a RAR file with videos and po- pictures of yeah. them. Like, there is no way that that's sure. going to be something that we can legitimately scope, but damn, it's what's happening. So they're cheating. What, they're how, cheating. Yeah, they're cheating. <laughs> like going back, I, I don't know. A lot of you guys have been doing this for a long time, but like going back to you know doing like quote unquote red teaming, which we didn't call it red teaming back in like two thousand three, five, six, seven, and eight. But we would literally do crap that was incredibly close or across the line because we didn't have an established concept of like what ethics were in this place. And a lot of our customers or, you know, judges in some cases, they would say, we want you to push it as hard as you can. Now we can't touch these things. And I'm afraid that as an industry, we're creating monstrous blind spots 
for organizations because they're not being tested this, in these ways. This comes up to the the big point about like catching a red team versus catching a real threat actor, right? Yes. Because mm -hmm. you start seeing the thing red teams do because that's how they operate. That it's And it's not necessarily because this is the absolute best. This is the only way within the confinements of what you just described, we can operate, right? So this mm -hmm. is red team stuff. And then you have like what you just described, like making a catfish profile and like, mm -hmm. you know, convincing someone to do that is real threat actor because a red teamer yeah. would never be authorized to do that. So then you start being like, you know, hey, this is totally a red team and this is totally a real threat actor. Maybe they're really horrible at this or they did something that was way out of line that a red teamer can never do. So you're right. Now, Alex, uh, Alex Minster had a great quote. I want to call it out real quick before it gets buried. Um, Alex had this quote said, red team like us, like a real attacker. And then if we try to describe, this is what we will do. <laughs> the customers come no, back. Oh, no, like, no, no, no. No, no, no. And then mm -hmm. when you don't get access, they're like, well, your team sucks. And uh, so this gets interesting really, really uh, cool. All right, new plan. We well, only and, send SOWs and, over whispers talk, pure talk, <laughs> wink chat. <laughs> we, oh you you want to do business with us? You have to download whispers talk chat app and install yeah. it on your phone. Yeah, the kidding. thing is, though, so like you can't even do user awareness of training on this. Like you can't you can't make a training video or anything. It's like, OK, oh, so no. your wife left you. You're sitting on the couch lonely <laughs> and this cute Russian girl like sends you a Facebook message. <laughs> For the oh. sake of the company, please don't do this. No, like, well, no. so okay, wait. There is they do there that is a military. They do that in the military. That is that real training. There, yes. there is a real. There is a um, at there, DoD contractor. I remember when I was in ISO with Northrop Grumman. We had this one gentleman who came in, and he was like, "Yeah, I just want to let you know, I'm I'm probably done. I'm probably going to lose my clearance." And he was very much like an ultra, like super nerdy, like mathy type person. Didn't get out much, mm -hmm. and he had actually like ordered ordered a, a, a bride from russia oh, and yeah. like mm. seriously we were all like this is not going to end the way that you want this is not what you expect it to be and sure enough whenever he went home and he told her just want to let you know that i quit my job because i want to focus on you she was like on a plane like the next day right. so yeah. military they teach you this stuff in dod contractor space they teach you this stuff they don't oh, talk right. about it in in the regular world well, but so now try to get someone in a, in like HR to approve that training module, though. <laughs> there is like a real, there's a real cybersecurity <laughs> way that we can approach this, which is basically the assumed compromise on the phone, right? Like, like we're talking about why are they going Ooh. to all this work to pose as a very healthy young human and mm -hmm. you know seduce a person? It's because they want to compromise their phone. Or their, I guess, their computer, right? We can jump that gap yeah. and say, like, okay, yada yada yada. Skip out all the weird stuff about the nudes and the WeChat and, and you know mm -hmm. what's going on. Just get us, just get us a rat on your phone and see, because because that shouldn't go through to your corporate network, right? And I think there is a difference in targeting. Sometimes these APT groups are just trying to drag someone's name through the mud. They're not actually going after an enterprise mm -hmm. target. So you know, if I compromise an employee's phone, I shouldn't be able to compromise the employee is like VPN account at work, right? Like hopefully. Yeah, they're totally but, not using their personal yeah. computer for I, VPN. Yeah. That never happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, and that's like, that's the way, to, you know, that's the traditional, to bring it, you know, as funny as it is to joke about, it is actually a thing we can evaluate, right? I mean, you're if you compromise the person, you shouldn't compromise their whole enterprise life. There's That's what MFA and certificates and all that stuff is supposed to prevent, but.
I guess All if right. they want to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah, no who, matter who, what. you have to have a guinea pig then. Hey, you're right. Assume compromise. <laughs> so, but, you, you, so, so, hello, Dave in accounting. Please give us yeah. your phone. Like, we're going to let the hackers into it for a little bit. Yeah, guys, I'm sick of this. You guys do this all the time. I failed the Wii Fish one time. One time. And I didn't show up to the training. You pulled the name out of the hat. You never pull it out of a hat. Why do you keep calling? White Cyberduck says, I will click on that EXE from the pretty lady every time. No regret. I have a VM just for that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, the last story I want to talk about is the Department of Justice basically worked with a bunch of different companies to basically decapitate malware that was basically put out by GRU, oh. the intelligence directorate. And um, basically what they did is they brought down the command and control servers. And there, this was, this is kind of huge because there's there's malware, of course. You have VPN filter malware. Mm-hmm. Um, you had malware from WatchGuard. There was malware from um, Asus. There was tons of embedded like device malware. It was absolutely nutty. And what's interesting about this is that there's a couple of things. You remember whenever we were talking about solar winds, and we're like, this is not an isolated thing. There is mm-hmm. more out there. It looks like they actually went through and basically scraped out a bunch of mini solar winds um, from like WatchGuard firewalls, from Asus devices, from a number of different Soho routers that were compromised by the Russians. And then they shut down, like I said, the main command and control servers mm-hmm. uh, associated with this. Now, just so you know, this isn't, this isn't something that's like new. Um, the government has actually worked with various different other law enforcement agencies. A lot of times it's the U.S. Marshals. Um, that they end up working with. And they also, they ended up with all of these different vendors. Um, but we saw one of the earliest ones that I can think of is the Walladect botnet. Um, that's the one that kind of set the legal precedent for the uh, United States government working with the United States Marshals and Microsoft to degrade that botnet through um, multiple different, quote unquote, unspecified technical means. But one, I think that this is like, yeah, we said there's totally going to be more solar winds. There absolutely was. The other thing I wanted to ask you all about this is, did 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 we overplay our hand a little bit? Or do you think that this was, given the current state of affairs from a geopolitical perspective, this was a good play? Is that why my VPS went down last weekend and hasn't oh. responded? <laughs> no, um, but no, I mean, I, personally, I would say this, I mean, they've got so much else on their hands right now. It's probably a good time to conclude a year or two long operation, which or at least a few months long operation. I mean, it's that it, it potentially degrades their ability to do other things and they probably won't have the time and resources to reestablish a lot of this stuff right now, but it's also good PR. It wouldn't, you know, the U S has got to be like, we're still here. We're relevant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, but that, that also, okay. So that brings up an interesting point about the PR perspective. I, you know, from an intelligence DOD perspective, some of the people that I've been working with and talking with in law enforcement, they're trying to keep as low a profile as they possibly can, um, mainly because the United States wants to help, but they don't necessarily want front page news stories that they're actually helping in Ukraine insofar as but like, the you know, cyber is perfect. Tank. 
That's why the, the cyber's per the cyber's perfect for that, right? Yeah, because the Russia has been a it's like an ongoing it's like the playground. No one knows what's going on. Everything that happens in cyber stays in cyber. It's like mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like the Russia has been attacking us for years. We've been attacking Russia. There was some stuff that happened with centrifuges. Still, no one really cares. Like it's kind of like yeah. oh well, who cares? I, I don't know. The the thing with cyber and governments is that as of right now, the current standing is not so much uh, right. I mean, we we talk about it in this group especially. We talk about like it's very close to kinetic warfare, um, but it's really a lot closer to espionage than it is to kinetic warfare. Yes, espionage. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, Dan Gooden uh, released an article right about the time that this all came under. And one of the things that, that I think is interesting is in his article in Ars Technica, which I just shared it out. Uh, there, there we go. WatchGuard totally silently patched this vulnerability without disclosing that there was a vulnerability and Ooh. it was a flaw that was actively being exploited by the Russians. I don't know how I feel about this. Do, do you think that we should be requiring all of our vendors, whenever they discover a new vulnerability in their own products, should they be generating CVEs and saying, this is a vulnerability, we have fixed it, much like Microsoft does? Yes. Microsoft is oftentimes coming out and saying, hey, we patched a bunch of stuff. Nobody's hacked it yet, but you know, here's a write-up of what these things are. Is WatchGuard in the wrong on this one? What do you all think? Would it be interesting if the vendors pushed the patch first and then announced the CVE? I don't know. Well, that's what I think they did no, in this case. They, they, they could. Should. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, personally, I think they I I think they're I think you should notify. Like if you find a bug, right? And and I guess a lot of companies do this. They find a bug and they, I guess they're testing the patch if the patch works or whatever. But at least let somebody know that you found a bug and you're working on a, a fix for it at least, you yeah. know, or, or at least provide a workaround until you actually have the fix like Microsoft does sometimes, right? Um, yeah. I think they're in the wrong for just fixing mm -hmm. it and not saying anything. I think they should, I think the information should be out there that there's, there's a vulnerability in their uh product. Well, I think the silent fix is just so that no one knows that the vulnerability exists, right? So to right. get the yeah, ambulance, we don't want to talk about right? it. Right. The, yeah. the problem with is... that, though, is that the legitimate users of the product also don't know that it exists. Well, right. the, yeah, the vulnerability scanners don't know that don't it exists, it, right? They don't patch it. And also, whenever you're looking talking about vulnerability scanners, Noah, mm -hmm. whenever you're scanning it with Nessus and things like that, it has no idea what criticality of that missing patch actually is from a security perspective. Sure. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think. Go ahead. I think this is one of the rare examples where like a CSO is really useful, like looking at the data, for example, like with Microsoft, I'm sure they have data that says how many of our clients are actually in line with the regular patches. Like we have 200 million PCs and 80% of those are getting the most recent patches. So it's worth it to fix 80% of those PCs and let the other 20% people find out about the bugs and they're exploited in the wild. Like if WatchGuard, you know, maybe they can look at the data and say, well, we can silently patch this. 90% of our clients won't get patched. So we have to keep it quiet because if this goes public, they can, you know, attackers can download the source code, find the bug and then exploit it in the wild. Like if people are version locked for some reason, I mean, obviously these are yeah. edge cases I'm mm -hmm. talking about, but it is, I think it is kind of a continuum of like, you know, I think a lot of organizations do like Oracle's notorious for an unspecified bug and an Oracle un unspecified component could have unspecified uh, <laughs> ramifications. Yeah. Confidentiality could be impacted. Okay. That's a 9.8 CVE. 
unspecified. Well, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, if, and by the way, if you're reverse engineer, that's against the terms of service. But anyway, oh, uh, like, yeah, no. the I think it's kind of a can. It's one of those things you have to make a calculated decision about. Can we if we can ninja patch it everywhere in one click? We probably should do that then announce. But you know, but like, but they should always announce. Yeah, I agree. They they should should announce announce yeah. Never keep it hidden forever. Like, because it's worse. For, yeah. PR is worse if you don't. It's way right. worse it to get. It is. Yeah. But, but but you were talking about having a CISO. I think that that's the problem is a lot of the people that are making these decisions, they got like a lizard brain that has not been in the InfoSec community long enough to understand how things work here. And they're basically like, well, if we release that there's a critical vulnerability, then people won't like us anymore. <laughs> and, and usually in those companies, just mm-hmm. so you all know, if a company has that approach, they are using that approach in their marketing to their competitors. Mm-hmm. It's It's... It, right. It, They're it saying we not. had zero critical CVEs in the last two years and, and yes. SonicWall had eight or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, 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 right. no. Absolutely. They do yeah. that garbage, right? Oh, yeah. And we as an industry have got to push back on it. Well, you know, I always look at it in in in, in the uh, these terms, right? There, there is nothing worse than false negative, right? False yeah. positive, uh, whatever, you know, false positive. False negative. It's like, or, or another way to look at it is, your, your automobile manufacturer comes out and tells you two years later, oh, yeah, by the way, we found a vulnerability. You could have had a fatal accident, but we fixed it now. <laughs> what? You're good. Yeah, you're good. Happy driving. Like, uh, by the way, just a little side thing. Uh, Tesla sent me the note. Uh, and, John, you probably got one, too. It's like, we found a problem. No, it wasn't we found a problem. We found the National Highway tra- uh, Safety Transportation or whatever said um, that, that our car wasn't loud enough. So we push it over the air software patch. You're good. I love that. <laughs> I, I did actually love that. <laughs> That's cool until they're like, your backup camera has been disabled. Please pay $20 a month to activate it. I totally got ADD squirrel brain right then when I, when Dude, I went into ransom, that. But, yeah, ransomware yeah. on your car. Could you imagine Please pay that? one Bitcoin to use your Tesla. <laughs> use your Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Okay. So The, the worst think- part about it is, Corey... That software will exist because someone made automated taxis at some point. And it will just be like the legitimate automated taxi software installed on your car now. Did you see that video of (laughs) of Cruise, the self-driving car, uh, was completely like nobody was in it, right? And the police are trying to pull it over. (laughs) They they (laughs) impounded it. They impounded it. (laughs) And it's like like, it, it stops. And then um, the police officers get out because the headlights weren't on at night and they're walking up with their flashlights, looking at it and everything. <laughs> then the car, like the light turns green and then it Stop goes resisting. The light, <laughs> and then it turns on its hazard and then it parks again. It's just like, you just know well, that there's an engineer somewhere who's is, in Is that like a DWD, yeah. like driverless while driving? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who do you charge for this? Who is the criminal? Know. The and you know, police officers are like, I don't, I don't, what, what they what, just what, arrested what? the nearest person. Yes, someone <laughs> walking down the street. The, it's the person who ordered the car with the app is the one responsible <laughs> because it wouldn't yeah. be the manufacturer and it wouldn't be the operator. But <laughs> yeah, like, oh jeez, oh man. I, I, I mean, I think it's it's 
it's classic cyberpunk, right? It's like it's the cyberpunk <laughs> dream of the cops chasing around an empty right? car. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say, good denial of service for the cops, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. how do we keep them busy? Like have them cops. chase, have them chase. Have a bunch of cars car. just running all over the like in the city, just like a bunch <laughs> of those cars just going just all at one time, like. Yeah. Like all right. Fast and the Furious kind of thing. It's like but hackers so, where they turn on the light screen. <laughs> oh, last, okay, last, last story. I promise this is it. Ukrainians using Find My iPhone to see where Russians have taken their stolen Apple devices. Why? So, Why? Oh, my God. I want to be honest so with you. We caught, I caught static last week because we were joking about the Russians and how it seemed like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, with their tanks being like stolen by farmers, drones falling <laughs> out of the sky. And, and, and I get, look, 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 absolutely what's going on in Ukraine is genocide. It's an atrocity. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. And the way that people sometimes deal with that is through humor. Yep. And one of the things I would like you to do is I would like you to look up Mel Brooks's speech about Hitler and his play, The Producers. Where Mel Brooks and, and was is Jewish, he wrote this amazing, hilarious play called The Producers, and it was turned into a movie. You should go check it out. And he said the absolute best thing that we can do to destroy Hitler is to make him funny and laugh at him, and that's exactly what he did. So when we're laughing about this, like we all understand here, all of us understand that it's horrible, but you got to admit. It's kind of funny when the Russians are stealing things, taking them back to Belarus. And then the Ukrainians are like, there seems to be a very dense collection of stolen items in this specific field. Where should we put our artillery? Oh, um, oh my God. Aim here. Well, we nine generals have died from Russia. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. It is absolutely horrible. It's an atrocity. But this is funny. Like somebody in Russia has got to be standing up and being like, you know, maybe we need to have some some operational security. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. Maybe a little bit of OPSEC. Maybe a little bit of oh standard operating procedure. <laughs> what about Uh-oh. like common sense? Possibly. No. Like Stealing not even iPhone. OPSEC. Yeah. The, yeah. the stealing uh, iPhone and then the find my iPhone and like someone made a comment like they probably ran out of gas and they were making a call with the stolen <laughs> iPhone. <Yeah. and> <laughs> hey Putin, can I have some gas? This I need some me. gas. I, I oh, mean, my I, goodness. I, I, I it's the classic, you know, this is the TikTok war, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah, like it is. It's the next generation of the stupidest the- stuff. Like last week we talked about drones. You know, the Russians take the landmines, they put them in Ukraine, then Ukraine sticks them to drones and just drops them back on the Russians. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, hey, oh, you should, <laughs> hey guys, oh no, we left a bunch of air tags sitting out in a big pile. Oh no, don't oh, steal. No. You guys could <laughs> use those to keep track of your stuff so you don't lose them. <laughs> yeah, it, it literally is, is, is military, it's military Darwinism at its worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Like, I saw a quote I thought was amazing. It said, it was somebody that was in Ukraine. They're stealing our iPhones and our uh, Apple devices. We're stealing their tanks. Seems like a fair trade. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, they can't get iPhones wow. in Russia, so it makes sense why they're stealing. Yeah. No, huh? they were very. They're hot item. They're also they sell resale value huge. Amazing. Yeah. I was gonna say we should, we didn't talk about it, but I I saw that like a lot of companies or a couple of companies, Lenovo and others, are still selling their devices in Russia, which are they're taking cutting taking flack for it, but. You know. Oh, you know that the inside of those companies, like the sales divisions, 
you know that like like what's driving that is they're the printing money. Politics. It isn't. No, it isn't just the money. It isn't. It, I mean, it's always about the money, right? It always yeah. comes back to the money. But you know that there's people that are responsible for the Russian sales division that are high up in the company, and they're like, "Well, wait a minute. What's my bonus structure going to be like if I can't uh-huh. if I can't meet my quota for my sales at this point? How would that?" And instead of saying, "You know what, Bill, we got you covered. Don't worry. It's going to be okay." It's a war. They're going to be yeah. like, well, maybe we should continue selling stuff so Bill can get his quota. That's, yeah. you know, well, Lenovo's yeah, yeah, Chinese. The, the Lenovo is the yeah, big one that's still yeah, selling yeah, in Russia, and they're Chinese. Chinese. They were so they're IBM, like, by the way. They bought, or IBM sold out there last yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm old. I'm old. I'm yeah, old. no, I know. It's weird. It's, the it's concept applies to anybody that's still selling right. in Russia. Yeah. Sure. It's all internal. It's all sales quota. It's all the salespeople. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's you political. I don't know. Go watch American Psycho. It's just like that. Except the Huey Lewis and the news scene. Probably. <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting. Just the one last thing about this story, right? About the find my iPhone and all the other stuff, the drone, all this other stuff, right? This is like the modern war and the stuff no one ever thought about, right? Like, they're, yeah. they're, you know, the stupidest stuff, stuff is working yes. so well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, no one had thought this out. No one had a plan. Like, you should be, I mean, everyone should be taking notes. Like, all right, in war, remove all air tags, iPhones, you know. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. Russia is militant against drones. Let's make a plan. All the right, average I YouTuber. To, I go back to there's there's people in the mountains Man, of Afghanistan <laughs> and out in Syria and Russia that are seeing and they're, they're not in Syria and Iraq that are just like, who are these amateurs? Like, <laughs> like, like. I mean, even even the Taliban right after nine eleven, they oh, yeah. picked up in about a month and a half. They're like, by the way, don't use these things. Bombs yes. fell out of the yeah, sky. No, they, they did not pick up <laughs> cell phones. It was all personal communication. Like it all went. I mean, they figured geez. it out real quick. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like maybe that's the problem. Maybe Russia has closed off the internet so much <laughs> that their own troops aren't getting this important news that they shouldn't <laughs> be using these personal devices. So. Oh. You know. All right. Well, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Hey, thank you very much, everybody. BSD Bandit, thank you very much for showing up. We greatly appreciate it. And keep showing up. It's a good time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this sets off the Mondays. We got to do this. We got to do. All right, Ryan, take us out, sir. I had a high school trigonometry teacher who I was pretty sure never read his slides, like ever, like even when he wrote them. So you had to call them out. They had slides when you went to high school, right? No, girl. So what transparencies did you have? The transparencies. Was his name Mr. Pearl by any chance? (laughs) No, no. But the funnest part about transparencies was when the projector light bulb burned out every single time. Yeah. 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 I, I think those things are pretty expensive too. Like the I would say the best part about transparencies was the constant flipping. Oh, that's that's wrong. I gotta flip that's it. Wrong. Oh, it's upside down. Next time I do a presentation at RSA, they always have like the technical requirements. I'm going to ask for a transparency projector. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I would love to hear that answer. I would love to hear what they say with that one. Would, they'll do it, mm. probably. They're just like pulling out. Like, he's been polishing it for 15 years, and he's like, like finally, it's my moment. <laughs> he's listening to vinyl. You know, he's like that kind of weird guy. <laughs> <laughs>